following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our reading this evening is taken from Nehemiah chapter 12, beginning to read at verse 27. And it is titled, Dedication of the Wall of Jerusalem. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving, with the music of cymbals, harps and lyres. The musicians also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netophahites, from Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Geba and Asmatheth. For the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, ceremonially they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right, towards the dung gate. Hashiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them. Along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshullam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, as well as some priests with trumpets, and also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zachar, the son of Asaph, and his associates, Shemaiah, Azarel, Milalai, Gilalai, Mai, Nathaniel, Judah, and Hanani, with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall and passed over the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall together with half of the people past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall. Over the gate of Ephraim, the Jeshana gate, the fish gate, the Tower of Hananel and the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Sheep Gate. At the gate of the guard they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I, together with half the officials, as well as the priests Eliakim, Messiah, Miniamin, Micaiah, Eloianai, Zechariah, and Hananiah with their trumpets, and also Messiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzai, Jehoahan, Malchijah, Elam, and Ezer. The choirs sang under the direction of Jezrahiah, and on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of the rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would uh, bless the words that Zoe is about to speak to us, that they would lodge in our hearts and that we would hear what you want us to hear and take away from this evening and that we would be transformed by the reading of your word. 
Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Edmund. It's great to be gathered with you here today. Great to be with you online. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Zoe, and I have the great joy of being the student worker here at St. Nick's, and also of ending our sermon series, Going Through the Book of Nehemiah. Well, friends, they made it. After so long, the Jerusalem walls are built, and our reading read to us today by, Nehemiah, uh, by Edmund tells us of the party the Israelite people had on its completion. But first, let me catch you up on the story so far. Our story begins with Nehemiah, the cupbearer to the king, a man who was born in exile, young enough that he never lived in Jerusalem, never saw its glory. But one day, one day Nehemiah hears that Jerusalem, the ancient city, that its walls have become crumbled and its gates are destroyed by fire. When hearing this news, Nehemiah sits down and weeps and mourns. What's a city without walls? It's unable to function, unable to protect its community. And so Nehemiah laments and mourns and prays and prays fervently to God. And then, and then his moment comes. The king comes up to Nehemiah. says, Nehemiah, why are you so sad? Are you sick? No, says Nehemiah, no other than a sickness of the heart. You see, my Lord, the walls of my city of Jerusalem are crumbled. And in a moment of divine favor, the king grants Nehemiah's request to go down and to repair the walls. And so Nehemiah, once cupbearer, now future wall builder, goes down, goes down to Jerusalem, down for his rebuilding project, down to repair the walls. But once he gets there, it's kind of tough. Why is it kind of tough? Because there's Sanballat and Tobiah. Sanballat and Tobiah are two men and they only have one goal. Their goal is to thwart Nehemiah's wall building attempts. They first start with insults. But their insults weren't very good. They came up to Nehemiah and they said, if a fox goes up on your stone wall, I think it will fall down. Nehemiah kind of shrugs, keeps going. But then they move on to more physical forms of aggression. The Israelite people have to stop. And then they begin to rebuilding. But this time, one hand rebuilds the wall and the other is carrying a sword for protection. Kind of tough going, isn't it? But nonetheless, despite Sanballat and Tobiah's best attempts, at long last the people have a war. At long last they have protection of a place that they call their own. They struggled and tried. They faced opposition. They kept going. And that is where our reading today picks up. The people celebrate. And what a party they had. It's important in the church that we take time to talk about celebration and joy. It's important that we talk about celebration and joy because it can be so hard to do it right. I'm sure all of us can think of a time, uh, an occasion, a party, that we've had a great time, but we come back a bit tired and realize all the work we left undone, and it kind of changes the way we look back on that experience. Let me give you an example. Once. 
A couple of years back, myself and my four housemates thought, let's invite five friends over for a celebratory end-of-year dinner. So we invite our friends over, that's ten overall. We give them lovely little appetizers on lovely little plates. We have a very fancy main course, which I'm sure involved a couple of pots and pans. We retire to the living room to have cake on small cake plates. We have mugs of tea, glasses of wine, and our friends tumble out of the house in the early evening. And as we turn back to the kitchen, it's only then that we remember that we don't have a dishwasher. In other words, celebration is sometimes hard because life is full of busyness and dishes that need washing. And yet, celebration is a theme that we find throughout Scripture. And one of the most repeated commandments that we find is to be of great joy. And that's why I'm so glad that we have this time together to talk about celebration and to talk about how to do that well. In my sermon today, I'm going to tell us three things that this passage tells us about celebration. Firstly, it tells us to look up to God. Secondly, it tells us that celebration takes time. And thirdly, it tells us that celebration enables us to look forward with joy. So firstly, celebration asks us to look up to God. Our wall completion celebration story that was read to us today, we see throughout it an emphasis on thanksgiving rather than on self-congratulation. The Levites are summoned and thanksgiving songs are sung. I mean. Their party is basically a church service. I don't know, Alan, maybe an idea for us here at St. Nick. God is a central part of these celebrations. And also, one of the most eagle-eyed amongst us might note that the walls were actually built quite a few chapters earlier in chapter 7. And yet it seems that they have waited until chapter 12 to celebrate. I wonder, why could that be? Well, John Goldengay, an Old Testament scholar, says that this happened because what happens between the wall building and the wall building celebration, namely a whole lot of prayer and confession that David and Catriona and Maeve have talked to us about, is vitally important in enabling this celebration. This is because in the fact of the great in the face of the greatest of all of their successes. The Israelite people took time to look up to God. The meaning of the celebration only came after the success had been contextualized and understood within the story of God and God's character. This wall-building completion celebration is not a success because the walls are built. Only it's also a celebration of who God is. For them, this celebration event presupposes that they are celebrating the coming together of human effort and divine enabling. Let me explain. God didn't appear and supernaturally, brick by brick, rebuild their wall. But neither does this wall represent solely Nehemiah's vision. Rather, it represents both both the coming together of human effort and divine enabling. Without God and without people, the wall would not have been built. It's a divine partnership. Our passage today 
doesn't read. They celebrated with great joy because they had a war. No, rather it says they celebrated with great joy because God had given them great joy. And this is the first key to celebration, that when we celebrate, we look up to God and give thanks for the things that we have done as a partnership between human effort and divine enabling. And that, friends, is an awfully big thing to say. Let's think about some of the things that we've done that have made us proud, some of the biggest things we've done. What does that mean to look at those things as a product of our effort and divine enabling? How would that change the way that we celebrated them? The first step of celebration is to look up to God. The second step of celebration that we see in this passage is that celebration takes time. The celebration story that was read to us today wasn't spontaneous. It was carefully planned and executed. Let's work through what they do. Firstly, they call the Levites back. We have to remember there were no Ubers and no emails. This meant that each Levite had to be contacted, had to put the date in their proverbial diary, and then travel down to Jerusalem. And then they got a choir involved. Actually, not just one choir, but two. One walks one way around the walls, one walks the other way around, singing songs of thanksgiving. Again, I don't know if you've ever been in a choir. I haven't, not being able to sing. But I've heard that they can't turn up on the day and just perform. Rather, they need time to practice and to prepare. That's more time, more people, more organizing. All of this takes careful planning and careful preparation. And yet, what joy there was when they celebrated. The list of people read to us today by Edmund at this wall-building completion celebration includes those people who came from Babylon nearly a century previously. This celebration points to a continuity between the present and previous generations, which would further emphasize the joy and the marvel of the, city repair, of the city's repaired walls. Celebration takes time. I remember last September I flew to New York for my cousin's wedding. It took time and money and planning and a pretty detailed avoiding jet lag sleep schedule. But I found that the preparation for this event was part of the celebration. So that when I find that like when we don't just think happy thoughts, but take time to celebrate by turning that into action, the truth feels more real and embeds within us. Present at my cousin's wedding in September with my family and hers gathered together, the joy was far greater than if I had just sent a card. Celebration takes time. And I don't know about you, but often I don't really like celebrating my birthday. I don't like all of that attention just on me. And that's why it's important that we hold this key to celebration in tension with our previous one. Namely, that when we celebrate, as we celebrate biblically, I am not the center. It's not about what I did. It's not about the fact I managed to live a whole nother year or some more admirable feat but is rather celebrating that partnership between human and divine work. 
This form of celebration ultimately brings glory to God too. And we see this in the final verse that was read to us today. The joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. The surrounding villages also get to hear of the Jewish people's celebration and of what their God had done for his people. So, so far I've said that when we celebrate, we look up to God. And secondly, that celebration takes time. My final point to us today is that celebration enables us to look forward with joy. And that's because in order to really talk about celebration, we have to talk about the morning after. When we're at a celebration party, things feel fantastic, but there is always the morning after. When we go back to life as usual, when we go back to the unwashed dishes, to the late nights, followed by the early mornings, to the frustrations, to this pandemic. In our 6.30 service so far, we had been going through the book of Nehemiah. And our story goes, Nehemiah hears the walls have fallen down. Nehemiah laments. Nehemiah galvanizes the people and the walls are built. But this isn't the end of the story. After Nehemiah 12, we have Nehemiah 13. In Nehemiah 13, we read that Nehemiah leaves Jerusalem for a while to go back to Babylon. And when he comes back, what does he find? He finds that, amongst other things, the people have neglected giving money to the Levites. They've stopped keeping the Sabbath holy. And Nehemiah is understandably angry. He walks around being angry with the Israelite people, and the chapter ends with his frustrated and slightly despairing cry to God, Oh, remember me, Lord, for the good. It would be easy for Nehemiah to look back on the celebrations read to us today and say, Was it worth it? What did it mean? The people seem to have forgotten everything, It's great, we have walls, but inside the city, it's just rubble. However, it's important that we remember that the celebration did mean something. It does mean something. Because it's a moment, a symbol of God and human partnership coming together. The walls being built point to and embody a truth. A truth that God is at work in the world that God is partnering with them. You see, the, the built walls are their tangible example of a truth that they were told by their parents and that they told their children that God is on their side. That the built walls are a reminder that they follow the same God that brought their ancestors out of Egypt. Because you see, my friends, Nehemiah's great wall-building success story was never really Nehemiah's great wall-building success story, but rather it was a chapter, an act in God's great salvation history story, the story that God is writing from Adam and Eve to you and me, the story of God bringing a hurting and a broken world back to himself, I've heard it's often helpful to mention Jesus in a sermon. 
And Jesus is the final great act in this story, this salvation history story. As Jesus lived and died to atone for the sins of this hurting and broken world, he made a way that one day we would be able to live in an, in an unending party, in an unceasing celebration, in a world without weeping and without mourning, that one day God would wipe away the, each one of our tears. In Jesus, we can know the end of the story, and we can know that the end of the story is good. But you and me, gathered here today in church and online, we are like our friend Nehemiah. We aren't in the end of the story. We're middle of the story, people, full of the hustle and bustle of life as usual, with those unwashed dishes, those late nights followed by the early mornings, the frustrations, this pandemic. And it can be easy to be despondent, to feel you might be finishing university in conditions so different from what you expected, to be frustrated in your job or lack of job, to really like the people in your household, but feel like maybe you spend a couple too minute, many minutes with them each day. Uh, <laughs> life in the middle of the story can be hard. And yet we know that, the end, that we know the end of the story. And we know today that the end of the story is good, and we can also look around ourselves and see so many good things. We can see the inbreaking of God's kingdom. We can look around ourselves and see that God is, work, is at work. For us people, us people in the middle of the story, repeated intentional acts of celebration are essential. For me, repeated intentional acts of celebration are like building a brick wall of hope in the face of despair. This is because each time we celebrate, we remind ourselves of those central times that our work and God's provision came together and we place another brick in the wall. And this means that when the hard things come, when the difficult things come, those unwashed dishes, the late nights and the early mornings, the frustrations, this pandemic, and it feels like a wave that's about to wash us away, in that moment, we are able to look back. We can remember the good times we celebrated. And we don't just remember the moments, but we remember the truth that was underpinned by that celebration. A truth that God is on our side, that God is partnering with us, that we are part of good, God's good story. And then our joy is not just about feelings, but stems from the, thing that we the things that we believe and the fact that those things are good. This Sunday marks the end of another university year. And what a year it's been. It's nice to see some leavers here today, and hopefully we'll have some leavers online. My prayer for you and for each one of us is that we would be able to go well. Go well to all that God has called us tomorrow and in the coming years. Celebrating in the good times and remembering in the hard times that God Almighty is on your side and relying on him with all you do. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.